anyway. Who's ready for the word today? Let's open up our Bibles to the book of Matthew, chapter 25. Matthew 25. We're going to start with the parable of the talents today. We're going to read all of that. We're going to go to a couple of other stories, one in Numbers and one in Zechariah. So we're going to move through some scripture today, but I have a word that's really uh, strong on me and I believe it's going to be very impactful for us today. I also want to say if you're joining us online, we welcome you. We're so glad that you're tuning in and uh, we're praying for you and looking forward to the day when you can come together with us. But until that time is here and you feel comfortable and things are good, then we just want you to know we want to keep in contact with you and we're praying for you. We'd love to hear where you're watching from right now. Type in the comment section, just your city, your state, your location, and anything that you're going through that we can be praying for you about, you can let us know that right now as well. Can we welcome our online audience today? Welcome. Life Church X Online, wherever you are, Illinois, Missouri, Mexico, Michigan, Wisconsin, they're all over the place, and I love it. So opening up our Bibles, Matthew 25, parable of the talents, and we're going to read this whole thing in verses 14 through 29. For the kingdom of heaven is like a man traveling to a far country who called his own servants and delivered his goods to them. And then to one he gave five talents, to another two, and to another one, to each one according to his own ability. Make sure you catch that. And immediately he went out on a journey. Then he who had received the five talents went and traded with them and made another five. Likewise, he had received two, gained two more also. He who had received one went and dug it in the ground and hid his Lord's money. After a long time, the Lord of the servants would come back and settled accounts with them. So he who had received five talents came and brought five other talents, saying, Lord, you delivered to me five talents. Look, I have gained five more besides them. And the Lord said to him, well done, good and faithful servant. You were faithful over a few things. I will make you ruler over many things. Enter into the joy of the Lord. He also who had received two talents came and said, Lord, you delivered to me two talents. Look, I have gained two more. Besides them, and the Lord said to him, Well done, good and faithful servant. You've been faithful over a few things. I will make you ruler over many things. Enter into the joy of the Lord. Then he who had received one talent came and said to the Lord, I knew you to be a hard man, reaping where you've not sown and gathering where you've not scattered seed. I was afraid. I went and hid your talent in the ground. Look, there you have what is yours. But his Lord answered and said to him, You wicked, lazy servant. You knew I reap where I do not sow, and I gather where I have not scattered. So you ought to have deposited my money with the bankers, and at my coming I would have received my, uh, back my own with interest. Therefore take the talent from him and give it to him who has ten talents. For to everyone who has, more will be given, and he will have abundance. But from him who does not have... Even what he has will be taken away. Let's pray. Lord, we just ask you, God, to speak to us today. Help us to see and hear what it is that you want us to hear and see. And I ask, God, that you would just speak through me and use me as your vessel and your instrument in these moments ahead. Without you, Holy Spirit, there is nothing that I can do. But through you, God, all things are possible. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. So... Obviously, a very popular parable. Parable, what is that? That is a story 
Um, Jesus told parables a lot. Parable in the Greek is the word parabole, comes from two root words, para and bole. Bole means to throw, para means alongside of. So Jesus would take a story and he would throw it alongside of a truth in order for us to have a deeper understanding of the spiritual meaning and implications that were behind that. Now, we know pretty clearly that in the parable of the talents, one of the overarching lessons that God is trying to teach us and show us is a lesson of stewardship, a lesson that we are to be stewards and faithful with the resources that God blesses us with and puts in our hands, right? We can all agree on that principle, good stewards of what the Lord blesses us with. So that's certainly a lesson here in this parable. We also see, I think, a really important lesson. This is where I want to drill down into today, that if we are faithful in small things, if we are faithful in few, in the beginning stages of things developing, that God's promise and God's plan is very much to bless us with and bring us more so that that can be used for a greater impact and for greater influence. Our Youngest daughter, she's our fifth child of the six, uh, is Liza, and she's been blessed with the loudest voice of all of our family. In a household of eight, you can pick Liza out in a crowded room like that. She has this these strong lungs and this powering voice where she can just motor up, and I mean, she can move above whatever noise is going on and get your attention. She's our little firecracker, we call her, and uh, the kid has some really strong leadership on her, and you can see that she's going to do great things as she gets older, but we joke around, and all those who get to know us and get to know our kids, it's not very long before they say, wow, that Liza, she is small but mighty, right? And I just want to impress upon you today that just because something seems small, just because something seems like it's in infancy stage, please do not make the mistake of thinking that the potential for greatness isn't in that. And that if we do the right things to steward that resource well, that there is in fact a plan and a promise from the Master, from the Father, to bless us with more that our impact for Him can be extended and expanded. Anybody say amen to that. So the title of our message today is Small Beginnings. Small Beginnings. Now before we really dig into this parable, I want to share something with you that happened back in early April of this year. And when it happened... I sat on it and prayed on it for a couple of weeks, and then I shared it with some of our leadership team and some of our folks here at the church and just kind of bounced it off of them, said, here's what I feel like the Lord was saying to me recently, and I feel like this is a word for the church, for the body of Christ, and what is coming, what is happening right now. And, you know, those things are obviously never taken lightly, and you, you pray through those and you continue to make sure that you feel like the Lord is confirming what you believe he's saying. And recently, as I was preparing for the sermon today, I felt like the Lord 
released me, if you will, and said, you know, I want you to share that word that I gave you. I want you to share what I spoke to you uh, back in early April of this year. If you remember correctly, that was right after the whole stay-at-home order went into effect, and, and not that things are, you know, necessarily all better now, but there was a lot of chaos that was ensuing and a lot of fear and panic that was happening at the time. And so I want to read some verses to you out of the book of the prophet Zephaniah. This is where I was reading and studying that day when I believe that the Lord began to speak to me about what's coming and what's happening in the body of Christ right now. So let's read verses 4 through 7 out of chapter 2, and then I'll explain, because it could seem a little cryptic at first, but it says, For Gaza shall be forsaken, and Ashkelon desolate. They shall drive out Ashdod at noonday, and Ekron shall be uprooted. Woe to the inhabitants of the seacoast, the nation of the Cherethites. The word of the Lord is against you. O Canaan, land of Philistines, I will destroy you, so there will be no inhabitant. The seacoast shall be pastures with shelters for shepherds and folds for flocks, The coast shall be for the remnant of the house of Judah. They shall feed their flocks there. So let me just briefly summarize what's happening. This prophetic word that the Lord is giving to the prophet Zephaniah is during a time where the Lord is beginning to getting ready to move and to judge some of the wickedness in the land. And it's interesting if you read the whole book of Zephaniah, you'll see that there are essentially two groups of people the Lord is warning and uh, saying, I'm going to deal with these things. One, which we really pick up from in these passages we just read, are all of the enemies of Israel. You have Ashdod, Ekron, Philistines, all the surrounding territories around the nation of Israel that are the oppressors and the, and the enemies of God's people. Basically, what the Lord is saying is, I'm getting ready to deal with those who are coming against my people and my word. Now, I want want you to see that I'm going somewhere with this to relate this to present day circumstances, and I believe present day uh, events that the Lord is saying he's going to do. And so he's, he's warning the prophet that those who are opposed to his people are going to be dealt with and brought down. But there's also a warning in there for people who are in the house of Judah. He says, I want to warn those who are puffed up in pride, those who have lost their way, that they need to humble themselves and they need to come to a point of repentance. So relating that to modern day, we would say that not only is God a God who can judge and deal with the enemies and the oppressors of his word, of his ways, and of his truth. But he is also one who says, as repeatedly said, those who are in my house, those who call themselves my children, lest they be puffed up with pride, they will be brought down. And God says that in this day, that even the people who are in the church, who have seemingly built great churches, great buildings, great ministries, That there is a time now where even those who have essentially kind of lost their way, who have been filled with pride, who have been built up in their own strength, 
They need to humble themselves. They need to come to a point of repentance. And they need to be brought down so that the Lord can do what he wants to do and begin to move mightily amongst his people. And here's what happened in this story. And here's what I believe the Lord is saying as well. Once God moves and begins to deal with those who are against him, there is a shifting and there is a turning and all of these resources, all of these things that have been utilized to do things like buildings, in this case pastures and, and land, God said those pastures are going to go to humble shepherds who are willing to shepherd the flocks who are hungry that I will bring into those pastures. I believe that the Lord is saying that it's time to build and strengthen the church and there are hungry souls who need to be fed and they need to be fed in good pastures and if there are people who are in places that are not shepherding those pastures, not leading well, that God is going to move those things around and he's going to place those resources in the hands of humble leaders and people who can be trusted to feed the flocks of God who need that nourishment as he begins to bring them into those meadows and those fields. And the Lord has been saying to me ever since he shared this word that it's time to prepare the people. It's time to raise people up in the body of Christ with a strong solid, immovable faith. Not fluff, not, you know, weak-minded Christians, not those who can sway to and fro, but, and, and just like having their ears tickled, so to speak, but those who are really being raised up with strong, solid faith and conviction and who can begin to see the great things of God move in and through their life as they take the authority that they have as well. And you may look back and see over the last number of weeks that that vein, or if you will, has kind of been flowing through all of the messages that have been getting preached here. Um, you know, we are preaching strong messages that we believe are challenging. This is what the Lord is giving, that are challenging us, but are building our faith, encouraging us, and strengthening us so that we are ready for what God is getting ready to do. I just want to be in position when he moves, right? I want to be that humble shepherd that can be trusted so that God can bring the flocks into the pastures and he can put me in place to use me and help those people who need that. And I think we all want that, right? And so as that word begins to kind of spark this message for today, small beginnings, I think when we look at this parable of the talents, we see a few things very clearly that God is saying we need to understand if we're going to be ready for more that God wants to bring. If we're going to be ready for increase that God wants to bring to us to be able to make a greater impact for Him. So taking a look at a few things in here, first of all, we see that there is uh, very much a test that lies within the blessings and resources that God gives us. There is a test there. And that test is what will you do with the things that God puts in your hands? 
How will you steward the resources and the blessings that God brings to you? Because the test is what you do with few or little or small beginnings has everything to do with whether there will be more and increase that comes into your hands after that. Do you see that? We see that there were different measures of talents that were given to the different uh, servants in this parable. And one was given five, one was given two, one was given one. It says, according to their own ability, as to imply that God had already essentially searched the heart and knew where their level of faithfulness they've been tested and proven at already was. And what God is not interested in is, uh, is us looking around and saying, why do I have one and he has two? Why do I have two and she has five? That's not fair. That doesn't make sense. It says there are different measures that God gives us, but God knows where our level of faithfulness is at right now based on what we've already proven that we can be trusted with. Does that make sense? So if we're not pleased or happy with where we are, I think first we must ask, what have I done with what I've already been given? The question isn't, what will I do when I get this? The question is, what have I done with what I already have? <laughs> Does that make sense? And we see in the parable that there is accountability. I, hope, I mean, I hope you get this. This is one of those, again, challenging truths that we've got to understand. The Father blesses us richly with heavenly blessings but yes, in fact, there is accountability for what we do with it. You know, the, the, the master returns, he says, what did you do with it? What did you do with it? What did you do with it? There's a day of accountability that comes for them. And then the master deems what their, uh, how they've passed or failed the test. Two of them have passed well. And do you see what happens whenever he looks and they become accountable? He says, that's great. Uh, now you are going to be ruler over many things because you've taken the five talents and you've doubled it to ten. You've taken the two talents and you've doubled it to four. I'm going to make you ruler over many things. There's an increase that happens because the, they've passed the test. But one of the things that blows my mind is that the one who failed the test actually had his taken away and it was given to those who actually proved faithful with that. Do you see that? See, God is true and consistent in His Word. And this is what He says. He says, I have blessings and riches and resources that I want to put in the hands of my people. But I'm telling you, if you don't prove faithful with what I give you, it will be taken away and it will be put in the hands who have of those who have proven faithful that can be trusted so that that can be used to make an impact and reach more people for the kingdom of God. You see, here's what it is. It's establishing something that is a biblical precedent. It's, it's a truth that flows through all Scripture. That God is going to give us more if we've been proven faithful with what we already have. Now let me say it like this. We can pray, God give me more, God give me this, 
all that we want to, and we should. We should constantly pray for, for big things. But here's what we also have to understand. We can keep praying for more, but if we're failing the test and being faithful with small and what we already have, biblical precedent would say that more isn't coming yet. You get that? More isn't coming until you prove faithful with what you've already been given. Listen, let's read again verse 29 in Matthew 25. For to everyone who has more, more will be given, and he will have abundance. But from him who does not have, even what he has will be taken away. Now, let's read quickly. I'm going to give you three more parables and I'm just going to read a verse out of each one of those parables. Matthew 13, 12 is the parable of the sower. For whoever has, to him more will be given, and he will have abundance. But whoever does not have, even what he has will be taken away from him. Mark 4, 25, a parable of the hidden lamp. For whoever has, to him more will be given, but for whoever does not have, even what he has will be taken away from him. And then Luke 19, 26, in the parable of the minus, For I say to you that to everyone who has, it will be given, and from him who does not have, even what he has will be taken away. Do you see that? It's all through Scripture. All these different parables speak about a test. They speak about something we've been given and an opportunity to do something with that. In the last one in Luke 19, the parable of the minus, Jesus, the master, actually even says, after they doubled the minus, the faithful servants, he says, I'm going to make you ruler over five cities. I'm going to make you ruler over ten cities. So the increase is coming. This is what's awesome. God has a plan for more. You understand that? God intends to bring increase, to bring more, and to bring favor upon us. But in order for us to step into that, we have to follow and pass the test of being faithful with what he's already brought into our hands. Let's look around and examine and ask that question. What am I doing right now with what I've already been given? Luke 16.10, whoever can be trusted with very little can also be trusted with much. And whoever is dishonest with little will also be dishonest with much. Listen, don't be tricked into thinking, I will be able to do what God wants me to do when I have such and such. As to suggest that I presently lack what's needed, therefore I cannot do what I'm called to do, but when I get such and such, fill in the blank, then I'll be able to do something great for God. If we aren't using what, we're, what we have right now faithfully, listen to me, I'm just going to say it like this, you will fail if God were to give you more right now. If you are not proving faithful with what you've already been given, your opportunities, resources, whatever it is is in your hand, we may think in our natural mind, if I have more, if I have that bigger bank account, if I have that better promotion, if I have that better job, if I have this, have that, 
then I'll really be able to make some progress for the kingdom. If we think that, but we're not presently making the most and making the best of the opportunities that are around us now, then the truth is we're actually not ready for the more that we're praying for. And Jesus understands that. He knows that. And it's through going through a process of being tested and proven faithful with small things in beginning stages that continue to gradually increase over time. It's by going through that process that we actually develop the character, the integrity, and the spiritual maturity to be ready and prepared for the levels of increase that God absolutely does have planned for our future. Does that make sense? We go through a process of growth and being built up as we handle small things well and see God increase those that leads to deposits of greater and more things that are ahead. Sometimes, you know, we just coast along and we think, man, you know, I just, it's like throwing it in neutral and just, vroom, vroom, just keep revving it up in neutral and, but we're not going anywhere and we're just like, we want to just boom, drop it into fifth gear and just take off. It doesn't work that way. You got to climb the gears, man. You got to first, second, third, right? You got to climb the gears and gradually work your way up. There's a test that God has for his people. It's better for us that we're tested because the fact is we may think we can handle more, but we're not ready for more until we've passed the test with the, the small or the few that God's already put into our hands. Hallelujah. Luke 12, 48, from everyone who has been given much, much will be demanded, and from the one who has been entrusted with much, much more will be asked. My second point, sorry, the first point was the key to more is faithful with less. The second point is work with what God has given you. Work with what God has given you. You see, anything that God has put in our hands is from Him. So He's the source. So anything that He's given us is good because He is good. So if He's the source, whatever we have in our hands is good and has the potential for greatness. James says every good and perfect gift comes down from above from the father of lights from whom there is no variation or shadow of turning this may seem like real simple theology folks but to me it's profound so if god has given me a blessing i don't care what it is i can self-appraise it however i want to but the truth of scripture is if god put it in my hand then it's good it's good and, and god wants to bless it and he can breathe on it and he can make it grow because he's the source of that thing. I'm not the source of anything. We are not the source of anything. We are not creators of those blessings and resources. We are simply asked to be stewards. Huge. Understanding the principle of ownership. God's the owner and we're the stewards, right? And Paul says it like this. He says that, that God actually puts the seed in the sower's hand. So he puts what's needed and necessary in our hands to do the work that he's calling us to. But sometimes we can look around and we can make the mistake of thinking, I don't have what I need to do what God wants me to do, which 
is really an insult against the character and nature of God. To say, I don't have what I need to do what God's calling me to do. Because Philippians 4.19 says, My God shall supply all my needs according to his riches in glory in Christ Jesus. So if I, if I make the mistake of saying, I don't have what I need, I'm actually allowing a thought to enter my mind that is contradictory to the nature and character of God. And the Bible tells us that those things that try to exalt themselves against the nature of God need to be brought down and put into subjection lest they form a stronghold in our minds. It is real dangerous thinking to go down a path of starting to believe, I don't have what I need to do what God needs me to do. Everything God gives us is, that's from him is good and the potential for greatness is in that right I mean you ask God to give you a vision for what's in your hand right now and he will give it to you and I think it's amazing that sometimes we have great uh, ease at getting a vision for the grandeur of what may be but sometimes it's hard for us to get a vision for something that seems small right now. I don't know about you, but our, our kids, when you know they're younger, and obviously some of them are now, we have, of course, these you know cool toys and things that they get for Christmas and all that stuff, and it's pretty neat, some of the toys that they come up with these days. But I just got to tell you, and I've watched them all through these stages, that I see more creativity, more ingenuity, and more vision and dreaming that they come up with for sticks and rocks and mud than I do all these other things. I mean, they got like a bakery set up where they found these pans and they put mud in them, they set rocks in them, and they look like chocolate chip cookies, and then they use sticks to make a baking oven. And it's just like this vision that they can have for something small. It really inspires me. I think maybe we would be challenged to get a bigger vision for things that are small because the potential for greatness lies in the seed of small. Let me say that again. The potential for greatness lies within the seed of small. You know, they can do this really amazing thing now, John, where when a baby... Um, is, you know, let's say a, a fetus, even just a few weeks along, a baby in the womb, they can actually get a DNA test and get a DNA sample from that embryo, they call it, right? And so um, that DNA structure, they can pull out get it by getting samples of the blood of the mother and stuff like that. They can tell you what the DNA of that little couple-week-old baby is. It's amazing. Very small infant form. But the amazing thing to me also is that when that baby is a full-grown, mature adult, that DNA is the exact same. That DNA is the exact same. What, is that, what am I saying? The seed of small that God has put in your hand that he says is good has the potential to be great but it's blessed in its infancy form, and it won't become what it's meant to be unless we handle it well through the growth process. God's given us things right now that there is potential for significant impact for, and we have to take a look around 
and take inventory of that. Maybe we don't need something new. Maybe what we have just needs to be developed. Is it possible that right now you actually have in your hands exactly what you need to do what God wants you to do? I would say it's not only possible, that it is a fact. That whatever we need to do what God needs, wants us to do, He has already given us the ability to do that. But there is a threat, there is um, a temptation that we can associate small with insignificant. And I want to caution you today not to let yourself do that. Not to associate small with insignificant. There was a story in the book of Numbers where uh, Moses is leading the people through the wilderness and there's a revolt, there's an uprising that occurs because they're unhappy and unsatisfied with the way things are going. And there's one particular man named Korah who is leading this revolt. And he is bound up with this jealousy and this desire to have something that's been given to someone else and he's unhappy with what God has given him. And so the Lord laid things out where there were certain uh, lineage, certain family members of Aaron that would handle the incense and the fire and the burning and the tabernacle and there were others who would take care of priestly duties and minister to the people and God had these different roles appointed and assigned, and, and Korah was unhappy because he did not have what Aaron and his other family members had, and he was bound up in jealousy. And so this is what happened. Let's just read Numbers 16, verses 6 through 10. Moses uh, says, okay, here's how we're going to deal with this. And under the wisdom of the Lord, he had a plan to settle what was going on and resolve the issue. He says, we're going to take censors. Korah, which is the, the torch, Korah and all your company, put fire in them and put incense in them before the Lord tomorrow. And it shall be that the man whom the Lord chooses is the Holy One. You take too much upon yourselves, you son of Levi. Then Moses said to Korah, so you say, you, you're, you're not ready for what you think you're ready for. And then Moses said to Korah, hear now, you sons of Levi, is it a small thing to you that the God of Israel has separated you from the congregation of Israel to bring you near to himself and to do the work of the tabernacle of the Lord and to stand before the congregation to serve them and that he has brought you near to himself, you and all your brethren, the sons of Levi with you. Listen to this. And are you seeking also the priesthood? So Moses is saying, is it, is it not good enough, Korah? Is it too small? Is it too insignificant for you to, to walk in the role that God has appointed to you? Do, do you want the priesthood also? You want what's been given to another man instead of what's been given to you? And so the fire and the incense, the censers, or the fire that would light the incense, God said only those who have been assigned to that priestly duty can carry that fire. Anyone who does that and touches that fire, it becomes profane fire, and that man will be killed. So Korah 
because he's so bound up in jealousy, takes the incense, the fire for the incense, him and some of his other companions, they come to this moment, this challenge, and you know what happens the next day? This is crazy stuff. The ground splits open and swallows up Korah and his followers, and then it closes back up on them after it's done. Wow. Destruction was brought to him because he tried to put in his hand what was supposed to be in another man's hand. And he wasn't happy with what God had already put in his own hand. You see, when we get into this thing of, I'm not happy with what I've got. I'm not pleased with where I am. I, I, I don't have what it takes to do what I need to do. We begin to develop a false mindset and an, uh, a thinking that goes against the character of God. And then we begin to fail the test of proving faithful with what we already have right now. Am I speaking to anybody today? So, uh, what should I do with what I have right now? Hebrews 13, 5, let your conduct be without covetousness. Be content with such things as you already have. And then the third point, last point, is don't despise small beginnings. Don't despise small beginnings. Zechariah chapter 4, we're going to go there. As we start to wind down. And Zechariah is a prophet who gets a word from the Lord for a man named Zerubbabel. How'd you like to have that name, huh? <laughs> Zerubbabel. What's up, Z? I think I just call him Z. <laughs> so Z is the governor of Judah, and he's tasked with the responsibility of rebuilding the temple when they come back into the land after the captivity. And so Zerubbabel has already laid the foundation stone for the new temple. And as they've been building it, he's reached a point of being discouraged now and beat down because there are enemies in the land who are now starting to stifle the work and have stopped the progress of rebuilding the temple uh, that the men are doing for the Lord. And so Zerubbabel is discouraged because these enemies are seemingly having success in stopping the work of God. And the Lord speaks to Zechariah and says, here's the word that I want you to give to Zerubbabel. So let's listen to this, uh, verses 6 through 10. Uh, this is the New Living Translation. So he said to me, this is what the Lord says to Zerubbabel. It is not by force nor by strength, but by my spirit, says the Lord of heaven's armies. Nothing, not even a mighty mountain, will stand in Zerubbabel's way. It will become a level plain before him. And when Zerubbabel sets the final stone of the temple in place, the people will shout, May God bless it, may God bless it. Then another message came to me from the Lord. Zerubbabel is the one who laid the foundation of this temple, and he will complete it. Then you will know that the Lord of heaven's armies has sent me. Do not despise these small beginnings. For the Lord rejoices to see the work begin. To see the plumb line in Zerubbabel's hand. I love this. It encourages Zerubbabel at a time where he needs it. The Lord says, don't despise these small beginnings. 
You stepped out and you laid the foundation stone. You began the work. Now there are enemies and the Lord says, it's by my spirit, not by your strength or your power. And those mountains that are enemies, I'm going to level them and they're going to become plains in front of you. Hallelujah. As we continue to work with the small things that God begins in our hands, then there will be opposition. But the Lord says, listen, be a faithful steward, but it won't be by your might or by your own strength. It'll be by my spirit, my empowering strength that those things will grow, that I'll make your enemies like planes in front of you and move them out of your way and you will see the work come to completion. It says Zerubbabel laid the foundation stone and another translation says he'll also lay the capstone. So what began is small will end with great. But we can't despise the small beginnings if we're ever going to have what's needed and necessary to see the fulfillment of the greatness and the potential that lies within the small that God has already given us. Hallelujah. You know what I also love in there? It says, the Lord rejoices to see the work begin. Wow, that, that really pierces me. It's like the things that I would have in my hand that I might say are kind of small and you know, little things, the Lord looks at those things that are in our hand and he rejoices to see the work begin. It's like he's smiling on that thing in its infancy stage because it's good and he knows the potential that lies within it. Hallelujah. What I'm saying today, folks, is I believe with all my heart that God is up to something right now. And there's things that are coming that we haven't even peered into yet. But that God is going to deal with those who are opposing him, who are opposing his word, and are opposing his truth. And there are many adversaries today. But I believe that the Lord is still on his throne and he's going to deal with that. But he is also putting out a cry through his people that say, listen, let's be humble, but let's be strong. Let's rise up and let's prove that we can be faithful with what we have right now so that when those flocks begin to pour into those pastures, that we can be faithful shepherds and leaders who God can move into those lands and begin to be trusted with the increase that God wants to bring. Because that shifting day is coming. Mark my word, I believe it with all my heart that God's going to begin to move some things around and He's going to continue building His church and building the kingdom, but it's going to be humble people who know how to do what is needed with few things so that they can be trusted with more. You want a great church? Well, let's, let's be faithful with the ones we have right now. Right? I look at John and Amber and I think about whenever they started leading the youth, you know, five, six kids coming a week. Now there's 30 kids showing up every week. You know what John didn't say? You know what John never said to me? He never said, Pastor, I don't have what's needed to grow this youth group. Pastor, I just, you know, we need, I'm not, why don't we, I'm not really, uh, I feel like I'm more of a 30 kind of guy than a five kind of guy, you know? I mean, when Pastor Guy was taking over leading the worship team, he didn't say, well, you know, we really only have three people that can sing. Um, you know, I'm not really, I'm not sure I can work with this. He was faithful. 
and he labored, and he worked with what he had, and God breathed on it and blessed it, and now talent and people are pouring in so fast that he has to set auditions and stuff like that with people. I love that. And we're going to reach a younger generation. We're going to reach a younger generation. And I'm telling you right now, there is significance and there is greatness in the hearts of young people. Sometimes I think we underestimate what's there. I want to close with this story. Uh, Four, maybe five years ago, uh, all of our kids were pretty, they were all really young because Dax was just born, I guess. And Bella's 13 now, and she she reminds me every time, Dad, I'm not little anymore. You keep saying that whenever you're preaching. Anyway, so Katie and I would go, and we still, to this day, every night, we go in, and we pray over every one of our kids and tuck them in, even my 13-year-old, all right? That's never going to stop. We go, and we pray over them. Well, four or five years ago, I'm just going to be real transparent with you and and real open, Um, it got to this point when we were doing that, where our kids, they're, I don't know if yours are ever like this, but they're sort of masters at delay tactics. It's bedtime now, and so all of a sudden, here comes 20 questions, right? Dad, oh, wait a minute, I have a question. Dad, oh, let me tell you about something that happened. Oh, Dad, wait a minute, one more thing. And there's six of them. So this process has taken a good hour, hour and a half. And I found myself at this point where I was beginning to be annoyed, frustrated, irritated. And I started getting real short with them. You know, you go in and you do the hyper prayer, right? God bless them and keep them. All right, amen. All right. And then, wait a minute. Nope. 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 Don't. Go to bed. Don't talk. And just, soup, soup. Had it down. Ten minutes, man. Boom. Blazing through it, right? And I just started to kind of get set in that rut. I started to get set in that pattern. Like, probably would have continued down that path if it wouldn't have been for my wife, who I just love. God's given her such wisdom and insight. And she just, you know, she said to me one night, she's like, what, what are you doing? I'm like, what do you mean? I'm putting them to bed. You know, she's like, well, you just, you're cutting them off. You know, you just keep, you just keep cutting them off when they're trying to entice them. I said, well, you know what they're trying to do. They're trying to delay they're just they don't want to go to bed they're just trying to keep me up and what she said next has never left me it just hit me so hard she said babe you have daughters they're just trying to see right now if they can trust you with their heart they don't even know it but that's what they're doing want to tell you about their day. They just want to ask you some questions. And yeah, it may be right now, but they're trying to see what you're going to do with their heart right now in these moments. She said, if you don't show them right now in the little things, in these small things, that they can trust you with their heart, how are they ever going to know when they get older and they're teenagers dealing with big things that they can trust you with the big things. Just flip my mind around in a moment. And I think sometimes 
we can all get in that place where we can start to look at small and associate it with insignificant or inconvenient and fail to realize the potential for greatness that's there and the test that presently stands before us. I pray today that we will pass that test, that we will, as the Lord is compelling us to do, prove that we are in fact faithful with few things that God may appoint to us and make us rulers over many things. Let those who can be trusted be the ones who are in the places of influence and leadership that they may be positioned to make a difference in this generation.